Welcome to Front Porch Confessional, your weekly Devo podcast. My name is Jeff Goki, and I am so happy that you have tuned in today. Welcome to episode number 38, and welcome to the Front Porch. Uh, it's a uh, overcast day here in Southern California. It has been raining for a week which is a total bummer if you're a surfer, uh, which I am. Uh, and, and sometimes I feel really bad about talking about California and surfing because for so many of you in the Midwest, you're experiencing snow in April. And so I'm so sorry about that. Uh, but here, uh, I have really, really missed out on surfing. I, you're not really supposed to go surfing when it rains. Uh, it's a real gnarly thing in which all the drainage kind of goes into the ocean and you can get really, really sick. And so I have not uh, been surfing in a couple weeks. Plus this whole COVID thing, they've shut down all the beaches. So I, I'm realizing that I am ocean depraved. I, I, I knew I loved the ocean. Like I, I love the ocean. I never realized how much I love the ocean. Like I am missing it so dear. I'm missing it so much. Um, I have I've been saying recently that the ocean for me feels like a hug. It's like a divine hug. I've told you before. I love the wind. Like I love the wind. I love when it's blowing. And I realize the reason why I love the wind is it feels like a hug. It's like a divine hug. I feel God's presence so deeply in the ocean. I feel his presence so deeply in the wind. But I think a part of it is that tactile uh, kind of thing. Like, you know, when somebody's putting their hand on your back, at least for me, or on your arm or something, it essentially says, I'm here. Like, I got you. I'm listening. I'm with you. I'm comforting you, whatever that is. And I'm finding that that is what the ocean is for me. It, it's so bizarre. And I'm also finding like when the wind is hitting it for some reason, it just, I remember that's that first snow, like that first snow for me, I've talked about it before. For me, it was like, it just was intoxicating because it, it just felt <laughs> some of you are like this is crazy talk but I'm telling you if you slow down a bit and go why do I love this so much I love it because I feel the nearness of God he's always near but I sense his nearness even more in those spaces places things uh, like the wind the snow and uh, the ocean and I think a part of it is it's just that tactile way in which I receive uh, affection or uh, feel close um, I think it's the same way. Nature is like drawing me in and saying, see how much he loves you. See how much he cares for you. See, he's not abandoned you. And sometimes those are really good reminders. So I'm curious for you, like, I wonder what those things are for you. I wonder if you have a moment or a place or a space that you just feel so connected to God. And I wonder if you could ask the question, I wonder why that is. Why do I feel so connected? I met with a guy, I don't know, a couple months ago, and he was like, man, when I get in the car and I drive, I just feel like I can hear from God. Like I just feel his presence. And in like, so I talked to somebody else a couple weeks ago and they were like the shower. When I'm in the shower, dude, I just sense God's presence in the shower. So I don't know. What is that for you? I, I don't know. It's just an interesting thought. And I was like, why am I missing the ocean so much? I think it's because... I miss that way in which he loves me and he cares for me. So anyway, the passage today, Psalms 16.8. If you have time today, read this whole Psalm. It's beautiful, but I'll just pull out one verse. Psalm 16.8. I have set the Lord always before me. 
because he is at my right hand. I shall not be shaken. Psalm 16, 8, I'll read it again. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be shaken. We have this dog. Uh, it's a mutt. Like literally, if you go to Google and you type in mutt, our dog appears. Not even kidding. He appears. And so we got this dog on Craigslist. All great dogs come from Craigslist. <laughs> Some random ad for a dog for a hundred bucks. Uh, so that's where we got Beasley. We got Beasley in the midst of uh, Cooper's treatments. And, and so Beasley's always just, he, he like is uh he, he, he like sucks in all the emotion. Like he just wants you to pet and he just like curls into you. So we love him. So, but he's also a very energetic dog. So when I take him for a walk and maybe you have a dog that's just like this, but when I take this dog for a walk, uh, he is, it's unbelievable. He like literally pulls me. He pulls me and I'm constantly grabbing on his leash and I'm pulling back. I'm like, Hey, cut it out. Like stay near me. Like that's what I try to train them and teach them when they were little is try to teach them to be, to be near me. Um, but this one, he just keeps taking off and he's very strong willed and he just kind of does his own thing when we go for a walk and it drives me crazy. And I'm looking at him going, what are you doing? I'm the master. I'm in charge here. What are you doing? And then one day I was walking and I was watching him go through this whole thing and it was bothering me so much. And I realized, oh my gosh, I'm Beasley. I'm this dog. This is how I live my life. So often I'm like yanking not as if God can be moved, but it's that God's going like, what are you doing? Why are you acting like this? It's like, what I'm really saying is I want to lead. I want to be in control. I want to take the, I want to take the wheel. I want to go here. I want to go in it. And, and God is so patient with us in this. But when I was watching Beasley, I was like humbled. And I, I took a little bit of time to repent and go, God, I'm so sorry. I think I do this to you all the time because we are not so different from a disobedient child or a rebellious dog, right? Strong-willed, prideful, in a hurry, self-consumed. We constantly have that thing in front of us. I mean, for Beasley, it's like some form of a tree or bush that he's trying to go after. We get really focused in on all the wrong things. And I started to going, oh my gosh, that's me. That's how I live my life. And so it should not surprise us when things don't go the way they're supposed to go. We should not be surprised that things don't go the way they should go. We should not be surprised that we constantly feel empty and that our whole life never seems to be full. Like there seems to always be something missing because this is how we're living our lives in light of a sovereign God, sovereign, omnipresent God that we continue to presume upon. And see, David knows himself really well. David, the author of this song, Psalm, knows himself very well. He is a doer. Remember, this is the guy who killed Goliath. And remember, this is the guy who became uh, a very, very successful, a very famous warrior. He's used to getting things done. But over the years, uh, he has learned uh, an important lesson that I think hopefully many of us are learning too. And it's this, anytime I do something without the Lord, it goes bad. 
it goes bad. When we're constantly pulling and pulling and pulling, at some point he goes, if that's what you want, I think a lot of times it says in Romans 1, he releases us to the desires of our hearts. He just lets us go. And, and then our failures come as a result of that. And then we continue the same dialogue of why did you abandon me? Why did you leave me? He's like, I never left you. You ran off. You did that. But you see what David's starting to come to understand is this, but when but when I really slow down, I start realizing that God is for me. And when God is for me, who can be against me? Like if I know that God is for me, that if I know the plans he has for me is plans to uh, allow me to find real life and, and success. And I don't mean success in a very Western way, but in a kingdom of God kind of way. When I know he has those plans for me and I trust him and allow him to lead me in those things, nothing, nothing can stop that because it's his plan and it's his will. This psalm is presented to us. This psalm, and that's why I would encourage you to go read it, is presented to us in the midst of a hard time. Not just as this psalm is being written, which it was, but also in the time that we find ourselves right now. This is a very appropriate psalm for right now. Now, for where you find yourself, where I find myself right now in the midst of all that's going on. And as you can hear, Patty and I were talking about this, that we have heard more ambulances. We have heard more uh, uh, police alarms, just like you're hearing right now, than ever before. I don't know what is happening. I don't know what's going on, but there seems to be more and more and more of it. And we start to go like something is happening. Something is going on. So when times are tough, what we tend to do, when times are difficult, what we tend to do is we just start surviving. We start figuring out. That's why there's no toilet paper. That's why when you can go to the grocery store, there's whole sections that are absolutely dissipated. They're gone. It's because people are like, how do I survive? You see, when times are tough, we tend to become very self-reliant. I got this. I'll figure it out. We start mapping out. I don't know about you, but you start mapping out plans. You start trying to think about the future. You're thinking about how you can save. You're trying to think about, you know, is my job secure? You start running through a thousand things in your mind. This is what we do when times are tough. When times are tough, we be, tend to become very selfish. Uh, I had read an article, I can't remember the details specifically, but it went something like this. This whole COVID thing popped up and there's this guy in the U.S. that bought something like 15,000 bottles of hand sanitizer. And he started selling them on eBay for like 50, 60, 70 bucks. And like people were buying them. But it's like, that's what we do. We become selfish. We're like, I'm going to make mine. I'm going to get mine, right? We start looking at our pantries and we're going like, I can't give anything away. I need it all. And we bec because that's what survivalists do. We, we start to become very self-consumed, very, uh, very survival-motivated, uh, uh, and, and, and we become incredibly myopic in the way we view everything. David, on the contrary, is looking to you and to me, and he's saying, there is a better plan. In fact, it's really the only plan. As a free will, you can choose what, what you want. But the only plan that makes sense, that has ever really gone well, is to put God first. To let him lead the way. 
Let him be your guide in every situation. And what is the outcome? The outcome of this type of life is that you will not be shaken. You will not be shaken. This is the truth that that comes out of this passage, this incredibly profound passage. He's going like, look, here's the deal. Like, I got to put him first. I have set the Lord always in front of me. Right? He, he's going, he's at my right hand, which means he's, he's close. He's the closest that can possibly be to me. And he says, as a result of that re- re- reality in the midst of really difficult times, the truth that I can bank on is that I'm not going to be shaken, not because the situation around me is crazy, is, is better. It's because God's with me and I've released and relinquished control to him. Are you shaking right now? Are you nervous about the future? Are you worried? All these things are telling you who is leading. Because if God is really leading you, you will have the confidence that you will not be shaken. You know, I was reflecting upon uh, this week in, in, in uh, Jesus's in Holy Week, and I was reflecting on Jesus in the Sanhedrin. If you remember, uh, it goes to Gethsemane, uh, the disciples fall asleep, the, uh, Judas betrays him, and then they bring him before the Sanhedrin illegally. They start bringing all this false testimony against him, you know, false witnesses against him, and it said in the midst of all this chaos, in the midst of him being arrested, in the midst of all of it, it it said that he didn't say a word. And I just kept reflecting on that over and over. He didn't say a word. Everyone's criticizing him. Everyone's coming up with these false testimonies. Everything about the scenario is wrong, wrong, wrong. And yet he doesn't say a word. How? God was before him. God the Father was at his right hand, and he was not shaken. He was not shaken with what was going on. He knew that he had to move forward in what God had for his life. And it's a great lesson for you and I. Just go back and read that small, that small little section. I think it's in Matthew 26. I think it's Matthew 26. Go back and read that. He's not shaken. Because you know God, he knows God's before him, God's at his right hand, and he's not shaken because it's God's plan. Who leads your life will determine what kind of life you will have. We will have. Who's leading your life right now? Are you doing it? Are you allowing God to do it? Are you trying to control your life or are you allowing God to lead you? Oh, Heavenly Father, you're the good shepherd and you are leading us. Please be patient with us as we grow to learn to trust you. So take a breath, reflect, and believe that the God of the universe is near to you in your own heartbeat. Until next time, cheers. Cheers.